0: We all want a business like Netflix or Amazon Prime, businesses where once a customer engages with them, it becomes automatic and a part of their lifestyle from then on. But how do you build that forever transaction? I'm Robbie Kelman-Baxter, and I have been studying subscription and membership models for nearly 20 years. In this podcast, my guests and I share the secrets and strategies of the membership economy. Join us for subscription stories, True Tales from the Trenches. Today's guest, Scott Mordell, has been the CEO of the Young Presidents Organization, or YPO, from 2011 through 2020. Prior to that, he was a YPO member as the result of leadership roles at Chamberlain Group, Heathco LLC, Duchesois Industries, and Arlington International Racecourse. The global YPO community includes more than 29,000 members in more than 140 countries. Membership is limited to executives and entrepreneurs who have achieved significant leadership success at a young age. Combined, they lead businesses and organizations, contributing $9 trillion U.S. trillion in annual revenue. What I find fascinating about YPO is how intense and powerful the community is. People I know who are members will move mountains to make sure they can attend their regular meetings, despite the fact that they're among the busiest people I know. And many of them fit the bill of super users. My word to describe members who go beyond just being good members, who pay their dues and get value from the offerings, but actually contribute significant time and money of their own to benefit the organization. Scott and I are going to talk about what YPO has done structurally to attract, engage, and retain CEOs around the world, how they've managed to recreate the magic globally, and how they transform happy members into super users. Welcome to the show, Scott.
1: Thank you, Robbie. It's great to be with you today.
0: So tell me about the forever promise that you make to your members. What is it that you're going to do for them forever in exchange for their engagement and loyalty?
1: Well, first of all, it's the welcome. We welcome extraordinary leaders to come together and grow together to improve their lives, their businesses, and ultimately the world. It can be lonely to be a leader of an organization, and our promise, our forever promise, is that you'll never walk alone in your journey as you go forward.
0: I love that. You'll never walk alone. <laughs> we all need that, especially during times of, uh, of COVID when, uh, when we can feel especially lonely. Absolutely. So walk me through that experience of a new member, maybe even from the time, and this is just a typical scenario, from the time that they first hear about or become interested in YPO through the time when they feel like they're fully part of their forum.
1: Thank you. For about 70 years now, we've been doing this, and we've been really a quiet organization. We've not really been trying to put ourselves out there as anything other than helping our individual leaders grow and become better people. With that, some folks will more often than not hear about YPO through other leaders, somebody who's been in in contact with the organization or is a member of the organization in some way, shape, or form. Nowadays, of course, with social media and everything else happening, um, many prospective members and people aspiring to be members find out about us through social media and the rest. Once somebody becomes aware, there's really two paths. One is if I come in contact with you, Robbie, and I say, boy, you know, I think you'd be a fantastic member of YPO, the courtship and the conversation begins to happen. Um, you're wondering what YPO is. What does what do the initials stand for? Why would I even want to be a member? These days, uh, people are joining fewer and fewer organizations as time goes, and they're being much more discriminating about how they participate in organizations. And so there's a diligence process that happens. And for us, it happens very much person to person. It's me explaining to you how YPO has changed my life. How I'm a better leader, a better husband, better person than I would have been without YPO. And um, to talk that all the way through. And in that way, we can Connect you to people in your industries and all the rest. So, there's a, a getting to know you kind of space uh, that, that happens with that. And once the aspiring person says, Yeah, you know, I really would like to join YPO, then there's a, a pre qualification process at which somebody fills out a, a rudimentary application basically that says, You know, my business is of sufficient size and I really am the leader of my organization. That matters to us. It's critical for our peer to peer relationships that people can have that peer empathy that we really are running our organizations. So once that process goes forth, uh, I'm going to be recruited into a chapter, more more likely than not. And so I will typically attend a chapter event and get to meet a number of the different members as as time would go and really become get a flavor of what what this YPO journey is going to be. And from there, that leads into the the formal application process and the formal review process is one would do that. Other folks will reach out to us through our website. Somebody will say, I've heard about YPO. I'd love to be a member, or learn more. And they can talk to our, our members right through our website in a live chat right then and there because CEOs expect person-to-person contact and, and really that personal attention. And so we, we spend quite a bit of time uh, toward that. And then with that, we'll either recommend you to a chapter to participate in. Or actually, we have virtual chapters, and, and some, of our, some of our incoming members will join virtual chapters because of where they live. Maybe there's not a local chapter or whichever. We've got about 475 chapters located around the world, so we're in many of the major um, business centers. But as we know, some great leaders aren't in the major business centers, and so um, we want to make opportunities for them there as well
0: yeah, really interesting. There's a few things I wanted to follow up on. Um, I'll try to do them one at a time, although I'm very excited <laughs> on the different <laughs> topics,
1: yeah, of course,
0: yeah. so so one thing I really like is that you're very clear on who your ideal member is, and it's the person who's responsible for leading the organization. And so I believe that one of the most important things about building a successful membership organization and justifying recurring revenue is that the organization is very clear about who's an ideal member. And also, who's not an ideal member. So being willing to to say to some prospective members, this is probably not the right place for you. The other thing that I find really interesting is this is a pretty friction-laden process. It's not like I just give you some money and you you tell me which chapter to join. It seems like you've deliberately put quite a bit of friction into the process of becoming a member
1: yes we do so first of all the clarity of of who should be a member and who should not be a member in a peer to peer organization ultimately the members really are the the product or the experience for the other members when it's all said and done so if we're going to create this safe space for people to truly be with peers it's important that they be peers and and um, we don't apologize for that and in fact um, we create a safer place for people to share ideas because they know they're speaking with peers. And so it's that that clarity is has always been part of YPO. And we debate what a peer is every single year, of course, and and we we go through all of those parts, but but in the same same vein, that's very important to us in terms of the clarity. Relative to the process ahead, of course, as we evolve, in some cases we're we're creating a little less friction relative to what it looks like. But this isn't just a my revenues, certain amount and therefore I should be in. There's personality attributes that actually would suggest whether or not you're a peer in terms of uh, joining an organization like this and in contributing uh, to an organization like this. Peer-to-peer is just that. I've got something to contribute and I've got something to learn. So within that sense, we're seeking a sense of curiosity. We're seeking a sense of, I will commit to the experience. We're seeking a sense of, I know what I'm getting into. So I don't say after I go through the process, um, I say it's not what I thought it was going to be. We try to minimize that. And as a result, that back and forth relationship that builds up between the prospect and the organization and between the prospect and the other members that that prospect meets in the process is particularly important to help validate everybody that this is gonna be a great experience and we're gonna have a good experience together.
0: What I love about this and what I hope our listeners take away from this Is that sometimes having that upfront discipline and not rushing to acquire just anyone who wants to be part of your organization can actually lead to a more powerful value proposition for the members. And as a result of that, a longer duration of membership. I have something else that you said that really stuck out for me. You talked about the forever promise being you'll you'll never walk alone, which is which is beautifully simple but also very ambitious. And then when you were describing some of the conversations that your members have, you mentioned being a good husband, being a good spouse. People don't usually think of that when you say this is an organization to help me be a better leader. Maybe I leave my personal life at home, but I I don't think that's the case at YPO. Can you talk about the decision to take that you'll never walk alone to mean not just you'll never walk alone alone? on your professional journey, but also you can bring the rest of yourself to the group.
1: Thank you, Robbie. I'm thrilled that you noticed that. Leadership is a whole person experience. When I'm making business decisions, I'm bringing to bear my entire life, uh, my personal life, my the way that I feel today, all of my experiences, who I trust and who I don't trust, what's worked and what hasn't worked, and YPO embraces the entire member's experience. And so that means that we, we embrace family inclusion, we embrace our spouse and partner inclusion, we provide programming uh, for, for for that whole experience. And when we meet in our groups, we recognize that sometimes what's on my mind today is really all my personal topics. We feel that if we just did professional topics and just limited within a range, that's not really who we are about this lifelong journey about how a member is going to improve their leadership and their lives and really the world, it requires a holistic attitude. And so we embrace that 100%. And in that sense, it's a um, it's a big part of the distinction between YPO and maybe some universities, maybe some other different membership organizations. That we recognize that the member joins the organization, not the CEO box of an organization, and not the organization, but it's the member, it's the leader herself or himself that actually joins the organization. And we're very committed to that leader's development.
0: So I'm going to ask you a question that I that I didn't tell you about in advance because of where this conversation is going, and I hope it's okay and you're you're up for answering it but you you were a member of YPO before you became YPO's leader and i'm curious if you could share maybe a little story from your time as a member and perhaps a time when you brought your whole self to the meeting i think it would be helpful for people to kind of understand what that might look like bringing your whole self to the group
1: i'll say that when i left Uh, Arlington International Racecourse, which was my first CEO role when I became a YPO member, I was at a career juncture. And it was not entirely about my career. Um, I had real involved discussions with my forum about who I was going to be as Scott Mordell. Like, who is Scott Mordell? And not who is Scott Mordell as a CEO, what's the next place you're going to go? But who is Scott Mordell? What matters to you? And, And what excites you and what doesn't excite you? And why? That ended up being a really drawn out in a good way personal experience for, for me to really understand how that would play out. And one other example, which really just touches me, it, it um, makes me want to cry just as I think about it, but I'm, I was a baseball coach for my kids. And uh, one of the kids that played with our kids ended up going to Italy and did what a college exchange student shouldn't do, was he, he got a little uh, intoxicated and walk, went home alone. Okay. And they found him in a, in a ditch, basically, beaten beyond recognition, wow. and he was in the hospital, and I didn't know what to do. I mean, our friends are just just appalled in, in terms of how to help, and I called a YPO member in Milan who I knew, and it, as it turns out, he happens to be a doctor, and he um, he took it upon himself to fly to Rome and put himself into this situation and take care of, of this young man and help the family connect with the hospital there, but it was just extraordinary to see YPOers in Italy who I... Barely knew we're helping helping extradition, we're helping um, all kinds of just support for the family. And this is wasn't even a YPO family. It was just people doing the right thing. And when I think about that, that had nothing to do with business, had nothing to do with networking, had nothing to do with, oh, my gosh, you know, Scott's going to do a favor for me in the future. Those people just acting with an extraordinary amount of grace and goodwill. That's as whole person as it gets. And there's so many wow. stories like that around YPO and I'll never be alone. And uh, when I'm in crisis, I'm, I'm coming to YPO. And when I'm not in crisis, I'm going to help people who are. And it's, it's really the spirit of togetherness that creates a sense of community.
0: What a tragic, but also really beautiful story. So how do you, how do you keep this magic as the organization has grown, this kind of intimacy and trust when you go across across borders and adding new people all the time, how do you keep this kind of level of 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 community and culture even as you grow and expand and evolve?
1: Well, thank you. Part of it is that friction filled process you talked about earlier. It's it's really helping people understand with some degree of clarity as to what the experience is going to be. And as a result, we're we're going into it all wide-eyed, if you will, uh, and having, having big expectations um, as to what we can do and participate in. Beyond that, looking at that peerdom relative to people are curious, people are givers more than they're takers, okay? And people are in the process. And so we have some personality attributes um, which are very important. And then we also are very clear as an organization that one, we're not a lobbying and advocacy organization. We're not here to tell you exactly what to do, Scott or Robbie, we're actually here to tell you what we're doing, what somebody else is doing, share through their experiences, and you draw your own conclusions, okay? And, and as a result, uh, we're not for or against any kind of economy, for or against any kind of politician, for or against any kind of philanthropy or charity work, for or against any kind of industry. And as a result, we do engage and invite open sharing. We welcome that, and we welcome disagreement in a, this is what I'm doing, this is what you're doing, but I'm not here to convince you. And that welcoming spirit um, and that that curiosity that's inherent in all of the members translates incredibly well chapter to chapter, no matter what country we're talking about, whether it's in Mauritius or Canada or Singapore or China, it just translates very well. And it's implemented by the local cultures. And so what feels confidential for um, uh, somebody who's grown up in China might be quite a bit different than what feels confidential for somebody who's grown up in uh, England, for example. But at the same time, it can be implemented based on the, the local mores and the local ways that people engage. And when we cross-pollinate across our borders, whether it be through virtual events or in-person events, we come together with that same spirit of curiosity and acceptance that just helps it all to work. So it's a lot of the similar protocols and attitudes, but they're implemented with cultural and geographical diversity.
0: So if I went to a forum meeting in San Paulo, would it feel like Auckland or Dusseldorf? To what extent are you like McDonald's where the experience is consistent globally, but with little bits of local flavor? And to what extent would I maybe not even recognize that I was at a YPO event if I were in a different market?
1: The only way that we're similar to McDonald's is we both have menus, okay? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You uh, have a uh, menu? we have a menu of opportunity. So what we do uh, is if there's a forum a meeting in Auckland versus one that's meeting in Sao Paulo, they're going to go through basically a similar process of a meeting. There's an opening. There's a reminder of confidentiality and, and, and norms of how people are coming together. There's a conversation starter. There's updates. Then there's a talk around what we'll call presentations, certain deep dive topics and issues. And then there's a, an exercise that everybody participates in. And then there's a checkout. And that process will be the same pretty much wherever you go into a forum meeting ar- around the world. Now, how that gets executed, what's a good conversation starter in Sao Paulo with a particular group, and what's a good conversation starter in Auckland um, could be quite a bit different depending on what the current issues and tone and, and attitude of those members who are joining at the time. And that's where we, I say, we've got the menu, we've got resources available which can help the moderator, the person leading that particular group, because it's all member-led and and, and in terms of how we go about doing it, we try to resource them with the materials so that they can build their own meeting that's effective for what what they're trying to achieve at a point in time.
0: So I talk about this concept of super users and a, a super user is somebody who goes beyond just being a good dues paying member who's using your services regularly and well, getting good value, and happy to pay a fair price for that value. A super user goes one step beyond that and actually contributes their own time, and in some cases money, toward the good of the organization, helping that organization's brand and product be more successful. YPO has a lot of those. (laughs) One of them is a client of mine, McKeel Haggerty. He's the CEO of Haggerty Insurance very well known as perhaps the world's leading brand for classic car enthusiasts, but he's also the past global chair of YPO. And it's interesting to me. I mean, he is phenomenally busy running a a pretty good-sized organization with lots of challenges, and yet he, during the time that we were working together, he was actually the global chair of YPO, traveling all around the world, coming to meetings, speaking, talking about the future of the organization, dealing with challenges as they arose. And I'm really curious, I mean, how do you how do you get people like McKeel to donate, you know, hundreds of hours for the good of the YPO organization, well beyond what it would take for him to just be a good and active member in his forum or chapter?
1: Uh, thank you. It's complicated and it's simple at the exact same time. First of all, we're a peer-to-peer organization. Everything that we do, every single event is led by a member. Our, our overall governance of the organization is led by a member of boards and committees. And uh, volunteerism is, is part of the spirit of the organization. More than two thirds of our members have volunteered in some way, shape, or form for the organization. So we're we're blessed with super users like McKeel, and he was a phenomenal, uh, uh, you know, chairman of, of YPO, and just an example of what we consider the model YPOers. But we've got two thirds of our members of so two thirds of thirty thousand people have have participated in as leading events or, or or participating in other ways in terms of leading their forums. And why would you donate time back to something? it's because you get something back, really, uh, some sort of validation, some relationships that build because um, because I'm volunteering. I'm, I may meet people from different countries outside of my industries that I may not have met otherwise. I may um, just develop bonds and delight as I go around and have different experiences outside of my work kind of flow. And I become accountable as I build relationships uh, by working alongside people. I become accountable to them. and And that's Nothing's going to make me do something more than me deciding to do it in that sense that I want to do it because I want to support you and help you becomes a cycle, a cycle of participation. And it does evolve to the point to where we have some super users some people who donate incredible amounts of time who are incredibly busy, but they find the time. And it's because the relationships, the contribution that they can make to others, the validation and value that they're coming back, the learning, the new ways that they're thinking, it just becomes a self re-fulfilling kind of experience. And in that sense, once you begin to get that, you want more of it. And and so I've been CEO now for uh, almost 10 years. I've been a member for 25, and I'm, I'm stepping out of this CEO role, and, and I'm going to go back and take a breath. And I'm sure I'm going to find other ways to volunteer back into YPO because I want I want to keep very connected with my community. And then finally, going back to the earlier point you had raised relative to the, it's more than business, it's the whole family. Once my kids... Once In my case, my wife, once we're getting value out of YPO and become like we feel as we're part of that community, now I'm wanting to make the community great for them too. and And so therefore, it's not just a business pursuit, it's a personal pursuit. And when it's personal, it becomes very sticky. Our renewal rates are over 95% and um, it's really unheard of for membership organizations um, in, in this way, and it's because uh, people are getting this kind of value, and that's with two-thirds of our members uh, volunteering um, over the course of their journey. So it, I'm just proud to be part of it, and it's been a model that's been followed, and sometimes the model is better than the management, and uh, sometimes it just works because it's a pure organization.
0: So a couple of quick clarifications. If you join YPO Because you're leading an organization, and then you move to a point where you're not leading an organization, either because you're looking for the next thing, or you're taking a break, or you retire, do you keep your membership in the organization? Or do you need to be an active leader of an organization of a certain size?
1: great question earlier on in your in your tenure journey you know your first six years when you join and say there's a transition which is perfectly natural right Uh, people are moving around to organizations and changes we implement what we call grace that you get a certain amount of grace time while you're uh, putting yourself back into a uh, leadership role okay and so so members will typically uh, find those roles after one's been a member for over, uh, over six years and the whole rest, they become, well, you've, you're have YPO, you've been doing this now for long enough. And if you change companies or change the way that you lead organizations, whatever their scale is, um, you continue on as a member.
0: Okay. So you, you're a member for the rest of your life if you choose yes, to
1: Yes. Yes. And in the spread of our membership, I think our youngest member is 22 and our oldest is 99. Oh, wow. Okay. And so the range of experiences of our members and when offered in the in that safe kind of communication space that I've been through this and this is what I have to share, there's a generational value and a business value and a life stage value that our members get to share that is much more than just business challenge value. And um, it's, it's wonderful to see.
0: Well, talk about a forever transaction. Join when you're 22 and stay till you're 99 is pretty close to as, as forever as it gets for people. As a membership person, I love that because I think a lot of organizations focus on a particular moment in time solving that pain point that might bring someone to you. I call it a headline benefit. So for example, mm-hmm. people might be joining YPO because it's their first time leading an organization or because they've run into a thorny problem and realized that they have no trusted peers and a friend, or they have only one, and their their one trusted peer friend says, this might be a good time for you to think about joining YPO. But beyond that headline benefit are all of the, what I call engagement and retention benefits, all the reasons that somebody would choose to make it a habit after they've gotten through that sticky, difficult point that brought Mm -hmm. them in the first place. And also that commitment to say, we're following you on the entire journey. You will never walk alone. It doesn't say you will not walk alone for as long as you're a CEO or as long as you're a leader of an organization, but never. And I think metaphorically, that's probably a very useful concept. I had one question. I don't know that I heard you talk about acquisition metrics, Mm -hmm. awareness metrics, reasons for loss, sort of the things outside of the current membership base. What, right. what are the metrics that you use for people who are not members?
1: Right. Well, first of all, of course, we track our exit surveys and all of those reasons as to what people are leaving YPO for. For for the outside uh, metrics, we track our pipeline in terms of we we know who's who's in the pipeline and we can keep track of where that's going. We have some target markets as every organization does, and how that pipeline looks in that target market area is is, is quite important, as, as we would see.
0: Like a target market, like we're growing in China or we're growing in New Zealand or like a certain industry we're we're trying to grow in biotech or pharma.
1: Yeah, it's we're much more um, geographic oriented. We're seeing that the industries end up reflecting the geographies a lot of times. So we 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 do run our geographic spread. I mean, our, our industry spread. But we don't say, "Oh boy, you know, we're we're running law on financial services. Let's go get some." I mean, we we don't do that because we haven't had to because we we've been pretty representative. So what we do is we look at the markets. Where do we think are likely um, CEO prospects? So one has been a growth area where we've grown from in the last 10 years, I think from about 118 countries to over 140, so some of that's a wider footprint. But in many cases, it's really following the economy and finding out where the depth and the growth of the economy is making sure we're, we're being meaningful there. So the social media, the followers and all of the rest, uh, we're not chasing just numbers, we want the right followers. We want people aspiring who are close to where we are close to becoming members, and also people who are opinion leaders and, and relevant in that way. So we'll break down our, our followers and kind of track that as, as as best we can. But we can always get better at it. And that's a, it's a constant journey as everything just gets more and more connected.
0: Yeah, of course. So we're talking during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And I, I have to ask, what has been the impact of COVID on YPO? What has happened and how have you responded?
1: Thank you. Uh, Well, like everybody, it's been it's been quite dramatic. We've had a number of members who have been in just great pain and distress uh, because of the economic impacts and and also the societal impacts. And then we've got members who are are doing very well and, and actually contributing and helping in different ways. So we we've seen. The whole range of different approaches and also across all of the different markets we've seen, you know, we've got members in the markets that have handled it well and members in markets who haven't handled it well. So we're seeing all that. It's disrupted everything. You know, we've gone from 8,000 in-person events to, let me see, zero. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and and uh, we, we've canceled some big events and um, we've had to make the pivot to much more digital and on-demand activity as um, everybody is doing the same. Our members are getting Zoom fatigue, just like so many other folks as well. So we're evolving even those engagements to be more person-to-person rather than one-to-many, uh, as, as that would go. And we're being very aggressive about how we do that. The technological change is in need to technologically change is, is quite dramatic. So, like so many organizations, we're just doubling down, if you will, on, on, on some of the some of the platforms that we're going to need to have and the engagements that that we need to have. And we've upped our personal attention. We're getting very. One-to-one, we do a process we call needs and leads and member-to-member exchange where somebody's in crisis or somebody needs PPE or somebody needs some kind of support or somebody needs some financial guidance or whichever, and we're matching them with the members that we have who can actually offer and help that. So we have a a lot of givers and a lot of people in need, and and we're we're personally matching them.
0: Is that a service that you provide? So for example, if I'm a member in Singapore and I need PPE, I... I would go directly to kind of YPO headquarters and say, this is what I need. And you and your team would act almost as a matchmaker or concierge to try to figure out who might be able to help them. In a digital way,
1: yes, and we created a, a mini marketplace group site where people could say, "Hey, I've got a whole bunch of PPE, I've got disinfectants," and and we published every single week, you know, uh, where people could make uh, make that available to people. So some of that was done um, personally and facilitated, as you just described, and some of it was. I'll just go to the coronavirus microsite and there's a PPE list and I'll look at the current one and I'll, I'll see, see what I can do. And so inventorying all that and, and moving that along is quite a bit different than the programming we were doing before COVID. And it's really highlighting for us that Beyond the pandemic, uh, the needs that people have are very varied all over the place. And so, how do we create a, a real marketplace of needs and support for those needs? That's more than just our structured programming, but really is much more individualized. And we're doing that through personal support as we evolve. And so, um, it's a it's a process underway, but has really taken shape here under COVID.
0: So, some of those I'll call them features or benefits that you've created in response to member needs during COVID are things that you plan to continue after things go back to where it's possible to go back to being in person?
1: Absolutely. I mean, just think about what's happened for all of us. It's like our urgencies in a lot of cases have become immediate, okay? And it's not just personal growth, but now we have urgent and immediate needs and, and crises. And how responsive and agile can we be as an organization to help members with what they need, not what would be static learning programming? And we've totally made a shift for that. And that's really helped, helped us create greater clarity about what it is that that member wants and needs. And uh, we need to be there for them because that's part of the lifetime journey. So it's changing our outlook.
0: Got it. I want to wrap up with two last things. The first one is I would love to get your advice. For people who are listening, who tell me all the time, my membership, they're just, they're very important people. They're very busy. They don't have time for community. They don't have time to respond to my questions or requests. What's your advice for leaders of of global networks and communities who are trying to keep busy and powerful people engaged and even to tap into this power of super users?
1: I'm just always reminded that as human beings, we will do what we want to do. And we will passively resist or aggressively resist what we don't want to do. And just got to be very mindful about why would somebody want to volunteer time for the organization and, and what are they getting out of it for themselves in terms of their growth, in terms of their relationships, in terms of their whole being, in terms of whatever they're seeking. And if we're not providing that in our communications or in our engagement opportunities, they tell us that based on the lack of response, based on the lack of participation, and based on how hard we're trying to push something on them. We think it's a good idea, but maybe they don't. Do you listen humbly to that? And do you know that that's okay, that's not working? And how, how do I get the voice of, of who's there? So I believe it's a membership organization of any kind is an ongoing dialogue uh, between uh, whatever you consider the organization and the community that the organization represents and the individual members. And if you can't keep some kind of meaningful feedback loop or relationship that's as personal as it can be, you're just starting to work for large numbers. And it's easy to rationalize large numbers. But losing one is it can be devastating if it's for the wrong reason. So so in that sense, uh, having that current dialogue is important. And when people feel that they're being heard and their contributions and voice is meaningful and they're getting something out of those conversations, they're going to keep coming back for more. So it's it's really just that.
0: Great. I want to jump into a speed round, some quick questions best piece of advice you recently received?
1: You know, in my role, I get a lot of advice, okay? So um, (laughs) CEOs to CEOs, continue to be more conversant in a a person-to-person voice. Don't speak on behalf of the organization. Every communication should come from a person, not from the organization. Nobody has an alliance to the organization. They have an alliance to other people. So the advice I got was just, uh, um, we need every communication really owned by a person behind it. And let's let's stand up for that, whether no matter who it is, but somebody's got to own that communication and be the person speaking to the other person. So we're going very vigorously to person-to-person voice. And uh, I'll say Xavier um, Mufraji, our our new CEO, is replacing me at YPOs and just all over that, and and really really pressing that. And it's really exciting to see. So so the advice is there, heard, and uh, being acted upon.
0: Great. What is the first subscription you ever remember getting?
1: The first subscription, Time Magazine. So, um, and, was, and I was 13, uh, thirteen, fourteen years old. I remember my father telling me, "Scott, you have to be a generalist. You need to understand how the world works. You should subscribe to this." So he made me pay for my own subscription out of my uh, my newspaper route monies. You know, I've always been a generalist, uh, reading and trying to see the world uh, since then.
0: And your favorite subscription now.
1: I'd have to say YPO. I'm a lifetime member of YPO and uh, um, I'm not going anywhere. And it just provides value for me in so many different ways. And it's going to help me as I renew myself for my next chapter. And so I'm, I'm fully committed to it.
0: Such a pleasure to have you, Scott. Thank you so much. Just fascinating, fascinating conversation. And I know it's going to be helpful for our listeners.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this very much and uh, love the whole thinking that you're bringing relative to all of these topics and and what it takes to to bond members together. And thank you.
0: That was Scott Mordell, CEO of the Young Presidents Organization. For more about YPO, go to ypo.org. And for more about subscription stories, as well as a transcript of my conversation with Scott, go to RobbieKelmanBaxter.com slash podcast. Also, if you like what you heard, please take a moment to write a review and give us a star rating. Reviews matter so much in helping others find us. Thanks for your support. And thanks for listening to subscription stories.